Wumandla on cliffcentral.com. Oh yeah, it is the last Wednesday of September. It is six minutes past twelve. I'm Pumi Mashekho and you're listening to Wumandla. We're back here and we're talking about always my favorite things in September being South Africa. What is it? Heritage Month? Um, there used to be a thing called like South African Music Week that I was thinking about this morning. But my show today is going to have South African music. We're talking about identity. We're talking about movies, which I love. Unfortunately, Lodi's not here. Afrosini Fiend is not here to join us today because um, she's gallivanting in Washington. But I've got an amazing guest that I'm going to be talking to later. She's a director, film coming out this Friday. But first, before I go there, talking about issues of identity. Janelle runs an organization called No Name Initiative. Now that sounds like, what? When I got this, I, I read it and I read, and I read it and I read it and I read it and I couldn't understand it. And I thought, this sounds exciting. It's about transformational dialogue. And I thought, who in what community wants to get together and talk about Issues of visions and dreaming and, but as I read on, and it actually talks about the reality of South Africa. So transformational in terms of as we are 21 years old in South Africa now, as we are going into quasi, um, in terms of country years, we're like a teenager. Now I think we're like a tween. And as tweens, we're rediscovering who we are. We're redefining who we are. We're, we're shouting at each other. We're sometimes talking to each other. We're definitely hashtagging each other all over the place. Um, about some of the things that bother us about our identity. And, and this is quite an exciting initiative because of that. Good morning, Janelle. Hi, good morning to you for me. I'm so oh, excited. Good afternoon to you, right? Yeah, it's afternoon. It's actually <laughs> after 12. Um, it's, and you've just reminded me it's actually almost time for my glass of champagne. <laughs> Janelle, No Name Initiative. Before you tell us about what the initiative is about, it's such a fascinating name that you chose. Why No Name? If it's oh, about transformational dialogue. Yeah. So, well, how it all started, it started back in 2010. And at that time, I was really quite attached to the idea that this doesn't become an, like an entity. It should be like this undercover spread of <laughs> transformational dialogue. I'd, okay. Okay. So yeah. talk to me about transformational dialogue. You know, we, we've got talk radio and because we're on unradio, we do lots of talking and lots of dialoguing via lots of different platforms. We've got WeChat. We've got, we've got Twitter. We've got all sorts of platforms that people can chat with us through that we can have a dialogue with them on. So tell me about this particular transformational dialogue. Yeah. I think di the word dialogue we've we've kind of used in so many contexts, and actually, often we actually talk about debate, not dialogue. And in this context, a dialogue here means it's really going back to the original meaning of the word dialogue, where we don't just exchange opinions, but we actually go much deeper into a process where we access what's the emotional reality underneath what we are saying. And then we go even deeper than that to a place that I call, uh, that we call essence, 
where we can actually start to shift. So it goes beyond our opinions, our ideas, our assumptions of what we think we know about each other. And it goes to a place where we can voice all of that and yet still be able to shift into each other's positions and experience it from almost like reality from those places. And magical things happen when we have a process that's contained and facilitated to make that happen. So we're from used there, to hearing, so Janelle, so we're used to hearing about this kind of, like this kind of dialogue or transformational um, engaging with each other when yeah. you're at work, when you're with 15 people, maybe it's a management team, maybe it's a team, a sales team or marketing team, when we're working in small groups. But your initiative in particular is in the communities. It's it's a, a big initiative into the whole of South Africa. Are you finding that people in their communities want to have these kinds of conversations with each other? Yes and no. <laughs> to start with the no. Start with the no. So I think the no is we we just we haven't had this platform. We haven't had opportunities to have constructive dialogue that actually has us make it okay to talk about the taboos, make it okay to talk about what we actually assume or how we actually feel, but in a contained environment. So if we haven't had that, um, it's kind of hard to, you know, almost trust a space that makes it safe enough to have those kind of conversations. So I think that's kind of where the no comes from. It's just because we haven't had availability and access to transformational models that may, may be more accessible in, like you were saying, uh, companies and corporates. And that's what this is about, is bringing those kind of spaces available for everyone. So you've been doing this um, for five years now, and some of the conversations we we don't have very easily as South Africans are number one, top of everybody's list, always racial. Yeah. But but there's also gender specific kind yep. of conversations that that are still very taboo, not just yes. in black communities, but but in some white communities too. How have you found your work leads to a different way of thinking around those two issues? That's a beautiful question, and I and I think this is key. Um, because the dialogue goes so deep, we go beyond our opinions and our assumptions. And often what happens is, for example, if, I, if I'm in the dialogue and my position is perhaps um, a, a female victim of uh, gender abuse or gender discrimination, often... People don't really hear my lived experience because they're so stuck in their own experience, right? But in this dialogue, we actually get to shift positions. I can then for a moment go and stand in someone else's position that might be totally oblivious to gender discrimination or the oppressor or the the abuser or the person who's oblivion to any kind of discrimination gets a, a chance to stand in the victim's position or in the person who has experienced this. And transformational things happen in those moments where suddenly it's almost like our, our um, uh, blinders fall off when we are standing in a position that we didn't know before. And because it's facilitated in a way to make those insights and, and awarenesses come to the fore, people shift. Magical things happen. What are you and, hoping for? Yeah. What are you hoping for with this initiative? 
The bottom line is proactive citizenship. You know, Pumi, if, if we look, I, I, I love to say that again. Proactive citizenship. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> right. I mean, active is not enough, right? <laughs> proactive. Okay. But I love that your introduction was, yes, we are 20 years old in a democracy and we have to look at our civil society. We have to empower our civil society again because the role has changed so much for a civil society. And this kind of dialogue has us empower our voices again and has us almost like recalibrate who and what do we need to be now. So how do people get involved? How do I join a dialogue? How do I participate? How can I, how do I get involved? Okay, many, many different, well, four actually main different avenues to get involved. So you can either become trained as a facilitator. This is about making this accessible to anyone who wants to run these kind of dialogues. And you can run these dialogues in your own community, place of work, place of worship, you know, you name it. Um, Even in your own family. So you can become a facilitator. We also train staff of NGOs, so people already working in different communities who want these skills to have these kind of conversations. Um, and then our facilitators who are all in training for up to a year, they run free access dialogues wherever it's needed. So you can even pop us an email or pick up the you know phone and ring us. And if there's a facilitator in your area, um, you could have a facilitator dialogue for any need. So oh, if wow. there's any, whether it's racial, gender issues, or just a community, you know, facing really hardships, um, anything is an opportunity to have a dialogue for. Fantastic. And your website again, Janelle? It's uh, the No Name Initiative. So it's no-name-initiative.com. It's a wonderful, wonderful. I think what you're doing is amazing. You're proactive. And the fact that what I love about it is that anybody can do it anywhere and it can be about anything. So any issue you want to raise, anybody, you know, you can facilitate that issue in your community. And I really hope that more people take it up. Yes. Oh, thank you. And plenty of power to you, Gail. Plenty of power to you. That's what this show is about. It's about Womanda and you're demonstrating that. Amen. Thank you for that, Ruby. And back to you, right? Back Thank you, my you. darling. <laughs> Take so, care. And, and this is, you see, this is the thing for me about proactive, about about being being the best that we can be. And one of the ways that we fashion the people that we are, the society that we have, is always actually reflected to us and sometimes led by art. I was at a very fascinating screening yesterday, but um, I also, I want to play a song first. First, I'm going to play a song and then we'll come back and have a chat about this. Have a little bit of a wusa moment. This is cliffcentral.com. South African music at its best. That's Umlilo and it's called Living Dangerously. And I took it off the soundtrack of this absolutely amazing film that I went to see yesterday. The film is called, and I've got the director in the studio, which is the most exciting part for me. (laughs) Catherine is here with me and Catherine had a homecoming. When she got up at the beginning of the film yesterday, she said, this film 
is actually coming home because you've been everywhere with this film. You've been around the world at film festivals. You've been showing your movie to lots and lots of different people. But yesterday was the first time that you showed your movie to a homegrown audience. It was so exciting. And we were all so nervous because, you know, foreigners see us in a particular way. But when you bring it home and you show it to your family, then you really know what people think. (laughs) So, Catherine, while you weren't looking... Um, and, and always, I think as a film student and as a person that loves movies, I'm always trying to figure out what the meaning behind the meaning behind the meaning. Yesterday when I was watching, it felt, it felt like the first time I ever watched Crash. Mm. But it also felt like raw, like, like a John Singleton film from back in the day. So tell me about the film while you weren't looking and why you chose to make that film? Gosh, well, it was the concept of Out in Africa, who've been running um, the Gay and Lesbian Film Festival in South Africa for years and years. And this is the first film that they've produced. And they wanted, we don't have films about gay and lesbian lifestyles, contemporary lives in South Africa. And so it was a chance to say, let's make a film and tell some of these stories. And it's a broad community and it's a diverse community. So that's quite a complex project. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're all different. So, um, the concept was to gather stories from a group of different diverse people. And so we asked for stories and pe- writers submitted stories. And then we came up with these amazing stories. And then the project was, how do we turn these different stories into something that collaborates into a project so that they can fit together in one movie that speaks, that they speak to each other and that they speak to our lives in South Africa now and that it becomes a universal story that speaks to everybody. So I'm deliberate deliberately not talking about what the film's about because this morning I tried to explain it <laughs> to someone at the office and I, and I, and I tried to explain it and, and I kept getting like, there's so many, so, it's so rich in terms of stories and you're not a, you're not a stranger to telling diverse stories in one series. So mm-hmm. you, you, um, you worked on society, which all the way back then was, groundbreaking for what it was because we'd never seen those women black women portrayed like that on South African television um you worked on Jacob's Cross yes <laughs> I mean television does that a lot where you take ser- various yeah. strands so in because it's f- episodes you can but yeah. in one movie and you you with help from um a goddess in the post world of South African film, because we'll remember her from yesterday, your editor, mm-hmm. Renal Lewis. Lewis, yes, created an incredibly touching story. That's I initially thought. So I go to the movies very seldom because, you know, single mother. <laughs> but and when I go to the movies, I, I go sometimes with the sense of duty. I'm like, I have to go and see the South African films. Oh, no, that's terrible. Because if I don't, then they take it off the cinemas. And we've got to show that these films can make money too. And yesterday when I was sitting in the cinema, I was so drawn into the characters. I was so drawn into the stories. And we were talking earlier about it being at Maponya Mall. So at 
was that experience like? Oh, for it was you? just fantastic. It was like an audience that had been waiting for this film and they were so excited to get it that they were so receptive and it was like they were talking back to the movie and responding and you, they laughed in the right places and they were <laughs> gasped in the right places and it was just a fantastic experience. They were the best audience ever. <laughs> and we have to thank Stokini Corps because they put on a great, they were just fabulous hosts and it was a fabulous screening and it was a great homecoming for this film. And when you set out to make this film, it's so hard making a film. It's so hard making a film anywhere in the world. But it's even harder making a film here at home because the monies are so huge. And and when I watched that film, everything about it was world class. So, I mean, that to you and your crew, amazing, amazingly well done. But what were some of the challenges in putting that film together for you? Gosh, the biggest challenge always, I mean, first of all, I had the most amazing cast and crew. I mean, all of my actresses and actors, and it is an ensemble piece. So there really are six central characters and they were just all, you know, the creme de la creme of South African acting talent. So it was such a Terence was awesome. Terence was fantastic. <laughs> you've got Camilla, you've got Sandy Schultz, um, you've got Petronella and Tishiwe and Lionel Newton. I mean, all of them are award-winning in their own right. And so to put all this acting talent together with this diverse group of characters, it just really was magic. And the crew was extraordinary. My director of photography, Amelia Henning, just made the most beautiful images. And what a pleasure to work with her. It was, it was, it was a dreamy job. So we all had a fabulous time. We were shooting in Cape Town in August, which is winter and it rains a lot. So that was a challenge. We had so some... all those clouds and I just thought, Oh, Moody Cape Town. <laughs> but Moody Cape Town is a Cape Town we all know, and it's not a picture postcard touristy mm. Cape Town. It's a real lived Cape Town. Mm. And the color palette of the movie was informed by the colors of Cape Town in winter. So there is that gray and that steeliness and then that yellow light that comes through when the, when the sun breaks through the cloud. And we did have some, you know, rough days where we were shooting right by the ocean and in the ocean and along the boardwalk with waves coming and the camera, you know, protected by waterproof. <laughs> so there's a lot of girls on that crew. You yeah. are a girl. Your DOPs are a girl. Your producers girls. Yeah. Lots of girls on that crew. And many of the roles that are normally played by men, uh, traditionally on film sets, we had women in those roles. So the director, the cinematographer, and the AD, the vast majority in the industry are men. Wendy. But we were all women. Wendy. Wendy Alport <laughs> is a fantastic AD. And as a result, we created a culture that was just very positive and very collaborative and was not patriarchal and was not homophobic and was not exclusionary at all. And it was a wonderful atmosphere which really fed the movie and that's what the movie's about because the movie's about that freedom of space for people to express their identity and their sexuality and explore who they are across boundaries breaking down binaries about who's rich and who's poor and who's black and who's white and who's straight and who's a man and who's a woman and just breaking down all those binaries and those polarities in our society and creating a space where people can play and they can create new things and come together in new ways and that was very 
very much the space of our crew and our cast as we collaborated and made this movie. And that energy suffuses the stories as well in the film. And that's what the film's about, is making that space to have like a joyful freedom and a comfort level for people to individuate and express themselves and present themselves to the world in the way that they want. Was it hard to to make a film that's about such a touchy subject? <laughs> Not just in South Africa, but I mean a lot of a lot of the the characters are going through quite a lot of, of touchy issues. You know, you've got Mr. Tulo on the one side who's, you know, not sure. Bi curious maybe, <laughs> you know. And you've got Mrs. Tulo living that life, you know. Black Diamond. But in yeah. living that life. Yeah. Huh? And and the just the the Mr. and the Mrs. and who's quite the Mr. and who's quite the Mrs. Yeah. is quite a touchy subject yeah. in in our society. Um, parenting, mm-hmm. um, lesbian parents, you know, quite a touchy subject. There's a lot of touchy subjects. A lot of people really connect aging. to the issue of uh, aging and nostalgia for youth and the love and the, and the romance of youth and not being, wanting to recapture that again. Mm. And one of the universal themes that people have been responding to is those choices about parenting. What do you do when you have a rebellious teenage daughter who's trying to find herself, trying to find her identity and wants to break down all sorts of boundaries, but you want to keep her safe? How do you allow her the space to find herself and express herself and yet when your instinct is to want to protect her? I loved that about the film that, that, you know, so her identity is also different to your identity mm-hmm. as you're trying to guide her through this. Was I just like getting into myself there into the no, trying to figure it out? Because it, it just made so much sense yeah. that even as a heterosexual parent with a child who's going through gender, identity issues that's that's what you're dealing with you're dealing with a child who doesn't identify in the way you identify and how you can be sensitive around that that's very interesting i mean our characters so you've got a an affluent middle-class lesbian couple um one is a white jewish woman and the other is a colored woman and they've adopted a black daughter and camilla's amazing in that (laughs) role she's it's hard enough being an older actress in, in society but she was i could see that girl i i knew that girl yeah my actresses were so brave because we wanted to make a movie that's sexy it's hot there are sex scenes in this movie and lots of and it's a sensual movie because these women and these men are beautiful and it is about desire and the desire both for your own identity and the desire for and the identity of what you desire and the space between those two things. So it was very important that the film be beautiful, that the people's bodies are beautiful, all different shapes and sizes and colors, but that there's a sensuality, both in the cinematography and in the performance, that it is about our physical existence as bodies in the world, trying to love each other and touch each other and reach out to each other. So there's lots of South Africanness in this film. There's, there's, besides the fact that it's in Moody Cape Town and um, parts of Kailicha, but never kind of voyeuristic. It's just as a matter of fact, this is the life that we live in. Um, I think that's quite exciting for a South African audience because they get to be in lots of different spaces in South Africa. And many of us live in one little niche here, or one little niche there, but we don't, it's hard to forge relationships across geographies and spaces 
cultural class spaces, racial spaces. Mm. And it's exciting to do that in a movie and get to move around and uh, identify with the different characters. Now, you must have watched this film like a thousand times, if not more. <laughs> right? And watching it last night with, with an audience as responsive as the one you had, but also responding correctly to the messages. What did that feel like for you? It was amazing. It's so gratifying. When you see, you put something out there, it's like a poem and you put it out there and then to see it cause the emotion in people's hearts and in their faces as they're watching it, it's the most amazing thing in the world. Did people come up to you afterwards? People came up to me with tears in their eyes just saying, thank you for making this film. Please make more films. We want to see these stories that they never get to watch stories where they can really viscerally identify with a variety of characters that's familiar, that's ours, and that's well-made. Um, you see, this conversation is absolutely amazing. And before it runs away with me, I loved the soundtrack. And this... this so Toya DeLazy, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? I've heard Toya a little bit and didn't quite know who, what, what she's about. But last night, my experience of Toya was quite fascinating. And when we come back, I really want to chat about the choices that you made for the music that you used. I am the future of South Africa. On my shoulders, I carry the hopes and dreams of generations to come. I'm eager to learn, but even more eager to use my knowledge for good. I know that it's not where I come from, but where I'm going to that really matters. At Sibanya Gold, we believe our youth is worth its weight in gold, which is why we are so committed to developing, nurturing, and grooming our young people into future leaders. Sibanya Gold, we are one. Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com. The absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous and amazing Toya DeLazy, who's featured on the soundtrack, which has lots and lots and lots of South African music. How did you make those choices? The music, you know, the music is such an important part mm -hmm. of what the film is about. And it's very hard to kind of, most people then write music for the movie. Yeah. And you used music that was out there. And what often happens is by the time you get to adding in the music, you've run out of budget and you've got no more money left. <laughs> and so you think, oh, okay, let's just get a violinist in and it'll just be like violin music through the whole thing because that's all you've got money for. But we were very clear here that, that we wanted South African voices and South African music on the soundtrack and that it needed to be diverse. It couldn't be one sound because we had this diversity of characters and storylines that there needed to be different different South African voices on the soundtrack. I mean, we also have a lot of South African art visually on screen. When you look at the list of artists whose work is um, shown on screen, it's extraordinary. So the website, mm. feature.oia.co.za, is the website to go to for all things while you... <laughs> While you While weren't looking. you weren't looking. It's, it's a bit of a tongue twister, hey, for a Zulu girl. <laughs> that, that name's a tongue twister for a Zulu girl. I kept like looking. While you weren't looking. While you weren't looking. That's where you will find everything you need to know. Um, there is a hashtag. We spoke about it. I'll put it up uh, later when I put up the podcast as well. But 
on here you can see all the artists that are featured in this film. You can see the playlist, all the music in order of appearance. I loved that too because you know how you watch a movie and you love a song. You don't know it's by whom mm. and you don't know what it's called and you can never figure it out. You just have to listen to the whole soundtrack and sometimes the soundtrack ain't that good. But this is like in order of appearance so you can go, oh, it was in that scene. Yeah, Yay. And the soundtrack is Awesome. It is amazing. Every time music appears, it's a specific song chosen for that scene and that character, which is really unusual. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was just, it was a blessing. And partly it was because we were funded by people who were generous enough to contribute so that we had money to pay the local artists to contribute their work. Um, we got money from the National Lottery Commission who um, supported us and gave us enough money to make a film. And then with Department of Trade and Industry, their rebate helped us. And then the other foundation also the contributed. The other foundation, we hosted them here the other day, <laughs> a while ago. We hosted them. So if you were wondering what happens to that money that from those dinners and all your pledges, that's what it does. It makes awesome South African art and yeah. film like this. No, they contributed. And in fact, their money sort of gave us enough for the soundtrack. So thank really? you, Other Foundation. Well done, Other Foundation, and everybody that contributed to the Other Foundation. And what is your, what was your favorite part of making this film? I know it's like asking you who's your favorite child, but I'm asking it anyway. Gosh, that's impossible. It's <laughs> because the truth is, it's the way it comes together. It's the way the stories speak to each other. Although I do think that Petronella and Tashiwe on stay on screen, they just light up the screen. There's a joyfulness and a youth about the romance and the excitement of finding love and exploring the world that is just, it makes you giddy. So that is a really lovely thing about the film. That was quite a, and so you teamed up um, with the associate producer, someone you've worked with before on another kind of out there storytelling experience. Mahano, Mahano, actually I've directed when she was in acting and we did, first met each other doing Home Affairs a, a decade ago when we were both very was young. Was that a decade <laughs> ago? Gosh. Oh, oh. that was a, that is, was a while ago. Yeah. So we've known each other for a while, which is really nice because Mahana is just a source of constant wisdom and grounding and she was fantastic. And the transition from when I was a director and you were an actor and now you're a producer and we're having all these fights. <laughs> oh, no, we don't fight. Mahana doesn't fight. Mahana is wise. She sees beyond the fight to what's really important about the project. And even when she was an actor, she was wise. And she would come up and tell you things just so that you understood the character better. <laughs> ah, Mahanu. Hello. Did you hear that? No, nothing. Very wise. <laughs> well, now, Catherine is saying you were wise. I'm singing your praises. <laughs> oh, thanks, Catherine. It's a love fest between Catherine and I. Is that, what, is that what I'm about to be in the middle of? Thank you so much yeah. for coming on the line. So we had Mahanu reporting on one of our cinema shows from Mahanu. <laughs> Sorry, Duncan. Yeah? Ma Mahanu. Duncan mm -hmm. is on the other side telling oh. me how to say your name. And I'm Ma like, eh. Ma with an African and Anu. Oh, Ma with the Ha Anu, Dase. An associate producer, seeing your name up in lights like that. Big screen. You've got lots of history as an actor, as a stage actress, um, as a producer on the small screen.
big screen debut, what was that like? <sighs> <laughs> that good. <laughs> <laughs> I think having you sitting next to me, um, watching the movie, m- reminded me of the relevance and the importance and the grandness of the occasion because I guess I was treating it as work as usual. You know, when you finish shooting a movie a year before, by the time the audience watches it, you've watched it a million times and this is really just another thing that you're doing in your day. And having you sit next to me and reminding me that it's a big deal, I was like, oh, yeah, it (laughs) is. You're right. It kind of is a big deal. So Catherine and I have been uh, musing about watching it um on a screen in Soweto and the the visceral reactions of the people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't eat your popcorn. So what did that feel like? When people were laughing in the right places, gasping in the right places, those are Catherine's words, not mine. It it confirms that what you you had intended to do is reaching the right people because you know, chances are the film will make it rounds internationally further than it will in South Africa. And hearing the local intended audience experience it for what it's meant to be, you're reminded of what it was meant to be because it's so far removed, especially for me. It is, it's something that feels so far away from when we first started writing it almost two years ago. Um, it makes It reminds you that it wasn't just for entertainment. It it um, movies are there to move people, and and those are confirmations. That's the joy of of shoot of um, screening in uh, screening like Soweto. It's not, you know, our polite phantom audience. I mean, that is the thing when you make a film <laughs> is it takes so long and it's so expensive and involves so many people. You do have to have a really strong need to say something mm. to people. And something that you really want, that's important, that's incredibly valuable, that's worth that two years of effort and all that money. And I think that last night at the screening, it was like, that's right. What we have to say is really important. And it was worth two years of work. And now these people are receiving it. And they're with the power of our intent initially, which is like closure, a closed circle. We wanted to say something. We said it. Yes. (laughs) She's... Beaming, just like yes, and so afterwards, some of the comments that you got from the the people that watched, what were some of the comments that that stand out for you today? Now that now that the excitement is gone, <laughs> now that you're in the cold, stark light of day with your headache from the oh, whiskey. Okay. <laughs> well, the most interesting comment, or maybe the one that spoke to me the most, was. Um, it was actually an actor. He wasn't in the film. Jamie Bartlett, actually. He said... Um, he wished he had Terence's part. <laughs> no. <laughs> but he said he has never seen a film that speaks so um, incisively about South Africa's race relations. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. Over and up above it being an LGBTI film, for me, because I tried really hard not to put my finger in that pie. I tried really hard to facilitate the the growth of the writers and facilitate their vision and help them weave it together for the audience to receive it as one cohesive story. But if there was anything that I had, you know, 
intended to at least um, uh, subliminally insert into the film was to finally get uh, South Africa to have that honest conversation about race. Because I think, first of all, race relations are, is South Africa's favorite national pastime. And <laughs> it is. It's it our really, identity. Really as soon as you leave the borders of this country, I realize the first thing that comes out of any South African's mouth is asking that person that they're talking to in whatever country they're in is, you know, what are the race relations in this country? And why is that white person looking at me that way? Or what is the issue with the black people? And then everyone kind of looks at us funny, like, why are you still so racist? But, listen here, this has been the thing. Race has been on the forefront of what we have been about for so long, for so long. So long. It, it, and I feel like you can't just throw it away. I, I believe Cape, uh, Cape Town is the last South African outpost, but you know, there are people that are sitting there waiting for the last, you know, <laughs> boat to come and fetch them. <laughs> that is my personal opinion. Um, and to be able to make such bold statements without being didactic or even rude, to be able to mm. just analyze the the dynamics of race relations in Cape Town specifically for a community that is so othered is is a is it was a big feat i didn't even think that we would get it that far and to have somebody pick it up and 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 speak about it so articulately made me feel proud sure and the nice thing is we don't talk about race in I the movie there's an, it's just it's intrinsic to the characters in the drama. It's in the story, but nobody talks about it. In nope. fact, until until you said it now, Mahano, I, I had actually I'd forgotten about it. I I just took it for are. granted. I just took it for granted. You know, the Tulos are living that life. You know, Camilla's living that life. But that yeah. anti that anti by that fence, guys. <laughs> that anti by that fence. Ha 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 ha. That one, you nailed that character. Actually, funny enough, that character, she was one of the, the actors um, that had come through to help the directors when they were auditioning for the part to play director. She was one of the characters, uh, the actors that were part of a, um, uh, a troupe that were there to enact um, any of the scenes that the directors wanted to um, play out for us um, they were consultants. in their analysis of the script. They came really? to consult with us and then they were so good and so fun that we just put them in the scene. Yes, like that. Auntie was amazing. <laughs> and I mean, I don't think she was on the screen for a minute. <laughs> and, then, and some of those words <laughs> are still mm-hmm. in my head. Mm-hmm. Speaking That's of radio friendly. the uh, fun characters. Oh, but we're on Unradio, baby. Everything oh, yeah. goes. We're uncut yeah. and uncensored. <laughs> you're in the future, Pumi. You're in the future. <laughs> your favorite character. Who is your favorite character? I With don't think so I many characters. You must have one. I actually don't think I'm allowed to, so I haven't allowed myself you are that allowed. opportunity. Oh, okay. on you are allowed. Um, hmm. While Kathy thinks about hers. Okay. Uh, of course, I love Tishua's character. I think um, this answer is based on my my observation of Tishua as a Because she's hot in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> she's just hot. Can we just well, get that out of the I'm way? She's just hot. I'm speaking as an actress, having watched an actress transform in front of me, yeah. but most importantly, for me. I feel like I want... 
I, I don't think I can say thank you enough to Tishiwe for allowing herself to be vulnerable, to play shadow, knowing that she's so far removed from that character and knowing the many characters she's played in many movies in South Africa, and she's very celebrated for those characters that she's played. But I feel like this is the first time I watched Tishiwe as a performer that transformed and took me on a journey. So that's, that's, that's what makes me tingle when, when you're really watching what we do in film. Sure. And for yeah. you, Catherine? Gosh. I don't know. I mean, since we've spoken about um, Tishiwa, I just want to speak about the other, um, the older women. And I think what was so beautiful, it's not oh, either God. one of them, but when you watched them, you believed their marriage. You believed mm. their relationship. They built up a relationship that you could just watch. Even in the first few seconds that you see them together, you believe that these two women have a lot of backstory and that they know each other. So it's mm-hmm. also, an, uh, I'm admiring their acting and their performing to have built that reality so that you invested in it. And then when that marriage comes under threat, it's devastating because you're invested in their integrity and the intimacy and, and the strength and power of that relationship. Camilla's character was she she was so intense mm. and so sensitive and so oh, but at the same time she was just so shame vulnerable <laughs> that's yeah. all i wanted to say was i just wanted to walk up to her and hug her at every moment to just go oh girl it's all right. <laughs> but you know, my favorite character, and surprisingly for me, was Max. Because he's so camp. <laughs> he's that feather boa. <laughs> but, but also, the, the, the role of Max, for me, was, was such an fascinating little role because he was he was a little bit like a greek chorus mm. as well as being part of the story yeah and 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 that that was absolutely well done i'm so glad you brought it up because um south african audiences actually have been treated to seeing that leg of the story because I, i'm not sure if you guys discussed this Catherine, no like but i saw that that's too much I mean, that was too deep for me to discuss that, that, that no no, some no. Of but what i want to say out. about that character specifically what i love about that leg of the story is i i find a lot of white writers complaining that there is no room for them to tell their stories which i don't think is i don't feel like there's room for that in my existence, to hear that people don't feel like they have the right to tell their story. And I know it is not true when I see Mac's story in this movie. I, I love everything about hearing about a man that was broken by his time on the border and how he hated it and how he wants to just go back to the life that he lived, that he cherished before he was forced into conscription. Those stories are not told enough. And I, as somebody that has never experienced that, that will never experience that, feel so like it's a treat to hear somebody being that vulnerable about they, they, they passed and get to see it on screen. Mm-hmm. I want to see more white stories. <laughs> I want white 
people to feel like they have the right to tell these stories, if they feel like they have the right to make such strong statements on News 24, then I'm like, well, don't just be the aggressor. <laughs> Open yourself up to tell us the full story well, so that you understand where your aggression comes from. Well, they won't be telling any more of those, like statements on news 24 they better stop making movies yeah, but, yeah anyway you know and i sit here in awe of you ladies because two years of gestating a story about the identities of south africans is a very long time to be invested in something um, not just as artists, but also as business people, but also as women. <laughs> Everything feels so much more raw <laughs> as a woman. And then it also ebbs and flows with the moon as well. You know, how how close you are to something and how much you've you've invested of yourselves in telling the story. And I think, you know, I read yesterday when I was reading um, Akeen's rant I saw that. <laughs> right. It's so important that people speak out. Yeah, people must speak out, but people must promote their films. <laughs> <laughs> that will be for another show. So thank you very much, ladies, for, for sharing with me, sharing with me the story of that's behind the story. The film... Thanks. Again, and I'm going to let Catherine do all of her, what you forgot to say yesterday, Catherine. This is your moment. This is your moment. I'm looking out the window here. The guys are here for the next show. The, so this is your moment. Whatever you forgot to say yesterday, this is your moment. Where's this film showing? When does it start showing? And how long? How it long is it on opens screen? this Friday. This Friday is the opening weekend, October 2nd, and it's playing in Cinema Nouveau, that's Sturkini course, Cinema Nouveau, nationwide. So it's playing everywhere where there's a Cinema Nouveau um, cinema. So it's in Pretoria, in Johannesburg, in Durban, in Cape Town. It's also playing at Maponya Mall. Where we had our opening. Woohoo! We That's love Maconia Mall. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. And it will also, um, there will be specific screenings in George, in Bloemfontein, that will be announced that are special screenings, but it's opening nationwide Cinema Nouveau this Friday. It'll play for two weeks, but if everybody goes this weekend, then it'll play for longer, as then long you'll as people break are interested. The box office. We know, we know by now, we know by now how absolutely important it is to have, to have that first screening weekend. So go out in your numbers. Support South African cinema. It is. It's. This is my my last of Heritage Month. This this too is part of our heritage. A brand new story about South Africans that that is out there being told by bold and amazing South African women. And thank you, ladies, for being on Womanda. I'm Pumema Shekho, and you've been listening to Pumema Shekho and. Catherine, the director of While You Weren't Looking. Did and I get that right? Yes, you did. I just want yes, to say that Cinema Nouveau at the waterfront is being renovated. So there is a slight delay. Tickets are on sale in Cape Town and it'll come online as to when you can actually go and see it. Because I think the renovations at the waterfront have been a bit delayed. But everywhere else it opens this Friday. And I'm going to play out with super awesome... Um, Forbidden Fruit by Toya DeLazy, another Woo-hoo! awesome, awesome, awesome South African woman. It is our last installment this Heritage Month. Next month, what is next month? Breast Cancer Awareness. Something important to women. We'll talk about it next week. Join me next week right here on Womanla. 
Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com.